0: Inside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Here we go, Monday Night Football Raiders. Monday Night Football as we kick things off at 3 o'clock. Normally we're on 2 o'clock on Tuesdays, but uh, Aces game on in front of us. Angel is here with us. It's Cofield. Adam Candy is in the house as well. Twin Peaks. We are proud to announce Twin Peaks on Eastern, newest Cofield & Company show partner, and we'll be here all season long for Monday Night Football. Ready for this? Uh, first of all, I love the thermometer right in front of me for the cold beer. Nothing better than cold beer, right? Cold beer in AC watching football, not Atlantic City in air conditioning. You think it got to a low of like 27.6 earlier? I've been fixated on this thing. It was like 29.4. Now it's a very warm 30.2. That's cold. It's always cold. It's always cold beer. they got great specials here. We'll tell you about that. So we're excited. Right off of Eastern, easy to get to. We'll tell you about the Raiders game tonight, traffic situation, all of what happened yesterday around the National Football League, Uh, UNLV report as I was over at the uh, coaches' press conference. Lots on college football. So let's do it.
0: It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA.
1: All right, Candy, we have uh, plans for every show. Sort of, right? We, we've here. Uh, in the last half hour, oh, this is stupid. This is really stupid. And it's uh, it reeks of Dave Rice and UNLV that <laughs> – except that Rice made it a handful of games. Two games for Clay Helton is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, especially considering the possible options out there for USC. Yes, Southern Cal coming out of the football weekend where they got their uh, – Bells rung by Stanford. Everyone thought Stanford was going to be a patsy after getting killed the first week by K-State. Clay Helton has been fired two games into the season. That's stupid.
2: Is it stupider, though, than deciding to leave your coach at an airport somewhere, right? Because that's where we've come from, USC, right? Wait, what happened? I think, I think we lost Candy. Candy, keep going. Okay, I, I will keep going. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Lane Kiffin and what happened to the USC Trojans last time around when they were dealing with their head coach situation and just kind of leaving him behind. But uh, yeah, I mean Clay Helton obviously had to go. He probably should have gone in the off season, but I don't know, you know, why they would make that decision. Right this moment. Uh, beyond that, you look at the rest of the season for USC, and the real problem is that you know this team came in as a favorite, maybe the betting favorite, to win the conference, and that is just a moment against Stanford that you can't have.
1: What does it say, though, to future coaches? What does it say to the players on the team? What does it say to guys who have committed to come next year? If you made the commitment to Helton, what's the point of bailing on him two games in? Make the decision. I mean, that's why I said it was Dave Rice-esque because Dave Rice was kind of a lame duck going into that final year, and they decided to bring him back, and then they pulled the plug. And this, I'm sure we'll find out that this is a power play that there are people around the program who are like, we told you to get rid of him. This sucks. He lost to Stanford. Get rid of him. I just, I wonder what it means when you go out, and it's... I'm not comparing the UNLV basketball job to the USC football job because the USC football job should have interest from many folks out there, whoever the hot names are right now. Uh, I know they've mentioned James Franklin in the past at Penn State. It's a better job than Penn State. Um, whether it's Matt Campbell, we'll see what happens with Iowa State. I guess the bounce back for Iowa State begins this week. I just uh, it, it reeks of disorganization within the program and maybe too many voices outside and around the program.
2: But that's a hallmark of USC. Nothing else is new when it comes to the USC Trojan program. Um, And these are the sorts of things that not only do you deal with when it comes to UNLV, and we've been talking about it for a long time, but you deal with especially at a well-funded private university like USC, and a university that has, I'm not going to say delusions of grandeur of the past, but certainly memories at the very least of what they once were that they haven't been for a very long time.
1: But they can be again. Do you think there's any hindrances aside from uh, the disorganization, the dysfunction, that should keep them from being a top-ten program again?
2: Other than that, how would you enjoy the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> I mean, I mean, in the end, like, what does it come down to when it comes to getting these things right? Like, you, you have to be able to put not just a coach in place. It has to be a whole structure of an athletic department in place. And look – USC has not been a successful winning athletic department for quite a long time at this point, so you look at the Clay Helton situation, and I mean here in Vegas we don't like him because he was the least profitable uh, ATS coach about you ever seen in the Pac-12, but in California they didn't like him because this team has not been consistent in any way, and that game against Stanford, I get how it looks terrible, but like you said, what message does it send not only to the recruits, not only to next year, but what message does it send to the potential next coach about what their situation is going to be, about what their footing will be the first time that they have a, a rough loss in season?
1: Helton finishes up forty six and twenty four. He's one and one this year, thirty six and thirteen in the Pac twelve. But at USC, thirty six and thirteen in the Pac twelve ain't good enough. Should be, um, but his last couple of years, eight and five, five and one last year, uh, and then like I said, one and one this year got their ass kicked by Stanford. So we'll have more updates on what's going on with uh, the USC football situation. All right, NFL yesterday I thought was freaking awesome. Uh, I love when you upset the apple cart. We go into all these NFL seasons, Candy, thinking, hey, these are going to be the good teams. These are going to be the horrific teams at the bottom. And then yesterday was just a jumbled mess where teams are going on the road. They're expected to just get bludgeoned. Teams are at home, bad teams. Uh, They're expected to get beat up and Everything went crazy. I think in the end yesterday, what was it? ATS. I think the faves were four, nine, and one, depending on you know where you got the lines. To you, what was what was the craziest? Was it Pittsburgh taking out the Bills, or is it the story of you know bad team, maybe the worst team in the NFL on paper, and their stated goals, maybe not publicly, the Texans' stated goals would be lose, 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 and they not only not only beat Herb, speaking of USA, not only beat Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, but live.
2: Uh, you know, kicked the living crap out of them. There are two stories for me that stand out from yesterday, and I get that. I'm, but we also knew Jacksonville was a bad team. This team lost 15 consecutive games last year. So the two things that jump out to me, and we will talk a little bit more about this as the show goes on, but uh, the Packers should not ever put up three points, period. That yeah. should not happen. That offense in no way should ever be limited to scoring just a field goal, no matter how good the defense is that they're going against. Along those same lines, where my real panic alarm sounds, what in the hell happens to the Atlanta Falcons offense that was supposed to be Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and going against an Eagles defense that really isn't that good? And they put up six points yesterday.
1: Candy, didn't Uh, it feel like uh, Art Smith was like, you know, we're going to run the Titans offense. Like you have Mike Davis, who's a nice running back, and you've got Cordero Patterson, Cordero Patterson, who seems to be as big as Derrick Henry. Because I swear, to start the game, it was run, 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 run. Like, he's not serious about going with ground and pound with a roster he has.
2: I mean, I have no surprise at the idea of Arthur Smith wanting to, big air quotes, establish the run. But like you just said, the line isn't the same as it is in Tennessee, although, frankly, we might have concerns about the Tennessee offensive line based on what we saw yesterday against the Cardinals. Um... But you obviously don't have Derrick Henry. He's a unicorn when it comes to running the ball in today's NFL. So, yes, I have I have some concern about how he calls that offense, but you know, I have a lot more concern about how they're going to call the offense in Tennessee because where Arthur Smith just came from, they now have every Raiders fan's darling, Todd Downing, calling the plays, and he junked their play action rate down to, I believe the number I heard was 10%. Uh, that's an advantage Ryan Tannehill and that offense need, and that's why they got blown out by Arizona. So I guess I'll add a third thing there, and that Tennessee offense is a concern as well.
1: The story tonight in town, we've got an NFL game. Yeah, it's Monday Night Football, and I guess some people would be like, hey, it's ho-hum. Because, uh, we've already had that here, not with fans. Uh, and I just drove by because I was coming from the middle of town over to Twin Peaks here on Eastern. I just drove by the stadium, and there's already, you know, three, three hours before the game, there's already a real buzz there. Traffic's starting to build a little bit. Um, one incredible warning. I've n- I wouldn't even have thought this was possible. What did NHP send out today about rideshare?
2: I mean, this has been obviously a significant concern uh, for NHP for them to send out a tweet about this. Um, so if you are driving your Lyft or your Uber right now to Allegiant Stadium, listen closely. Do not let your passengers off on the freeway, okay? Do not stop in the middle of the carpool lane and kick them to the curb. Do not ask them to jump out Dukes of Hazard style. You will be ticketed. You will be fined. NHP is on to you.
1: I don't even know who would – I don't know what passenger would actually say I'm getting out of the car. I was, when I drove by it today, I was fixated the whole – like, for a mile. I'm like, where would you climb over a wall to get onto freaking access roads to walk to the stadium? That is completely nuts. All right, yesterday in the NFL was crazy – Eric Eager uh, joins us from Pro Football Focus. want to get into the stories around the country and some of the uh, week one ratings. Eric, how are you doing, buddy?
3: Doing really well. It sounds like a a real hoot in Las Vegas today.
1: Well, I know you've been here. If you know where the stadium is, uh, the roads are not ready yet. This is like a five-year project before they're actually able to change some of the interchanges. And there's also very limited parking. They told us, hey, this is going to be the first, you know, mostly ride-share accessible stadium, except that if you don't have the roads, it's still cars so you can't get there. So, yeah, people have gone a little nuts at some of the concerts we've had here and tonight, you know, they're expecting a sellout crowd and so it's going to be pretty freaking crazy here. On the game itself, I know Candy had a thought about the Raiders' approach from a year ago. Is there any chance that John Gruden does look at the competition, especially tonight, and starts to use his passing game as the main focus instead of his run game?
3: Uh, I think... You absolutely have to. Um, you look at the line, it's gone, I mean, anywhere from five now all the way down to three and a half, and you actually don't have to lay that much to, to bet the Ravens minus three and a half. Um, I think you see Jimmy Smith possibly being out, Marcus Peters for sure being out, and even though the Raiders, I think, um, you know, insofar as <clears throat> their skill positions are speculative, right? Like Brian Edwards, uh, Henry Rudd. Hunter Renfro, Waller's a sure thing. I think um, you know they—they they, and Derek Carr have a pretty good quarterback, and I think um, the, the betting markets are starting to focus in on the fact that they could have an advantage there, where the Ravens usually have uh, a decided edge against uh, opponents.
2: Eric, from listening to some of your work with PFF, I know you have a little more confidence in the Raiders than some. I'm holding an over-seven wins ticket on them. I believe that they're at least an eight or nine win team this year. What gives you uh, some level of confidence that the Raiders can at least be a middle-of-the-pack kind of team?
3: I know they lost some offensive line uh, help there. Um, I know that Gruden and Mayock have not been particularly great um, at, at buying the groceries, but I think once but hey, you know, once once everything's in, once they have their players, I think Gruden has done a really good job of maximizing talent on the field, um, and that's why they've won, you know, fifteen games the last two years, um, despite you know a defense that I think can only get better, um, despite a quarterback who, uh, you know, in twenty nineteen was very good in one way, a low average depth of target, um, high completion percentage way uh and then was completely different and good in the in a different way in two thousand and twenty, uh one of the higher average depth of targets players in the league. Um I think Derek Carr is underrated. I think when you look at a division, uh yeah. having Herbert and Mahomes there, you know, makes people think that he's not as good as he actually is. And uh, you know, six and a half is, is not you know, they were a seven and a half win total team going into last year in a sixteen game schedule. Um so you add an extra game, you know, theory a half a win to that win total um, so the market's, you know, down on them a win, a win and a half. I, I, I think that's way too much.
2: Looking back to yesterday and, of course, the Thursday as well, what were your uh, biggest takeaways from a betting perspective on week one of the NFL?
3: Yeah, I mean, eight underdogs won outright, so that was uh, fairly surprising. Um, there weren't that big, that many big, you know, underdogs, and those teams did not win, although Detroit um, – you know, as well as Dallas on Thursday night, got to the window um, against close. Um, so, you know, it was unpredictable. You saw, you know, half the league was changing quarterbacks. You are going to see some uncertainty. Um, uh, you know, I think I, I'm going to do a study on this. Uh, you know, particularly to actually look at what the exact effect is. But I, you know, I would say we're probably going to be overreacting to yesterday and Thursday. Um, but it really was interesting, and there were some teams. Um, that looked a lot more alive, you know, namely Houston and Detroit and Philadelphia. The three, what I thought were the worst teams in the NFL, um, those teams looked a lot more alive uh, than than we all anticipated going into the into the week. And I think that's good from a betting perspective. You don't want teams that are double digit underdogs every single week and providing almost no resistance. That makes it no fun.
1: I bet Pittsburgh plus the six and a half, but I also had the Bills and teasers to get them down to a half. So I got one side. I didn't get. The teaser give us some of the grades on the Steelers and the Bills. I don't think Big Ben played that well. The defensive line did play well, and then talk Josh Allen.
3: Yeah, that was that was a rough one, right? I like I had the Buffalo Bills and a lot of teasers. I even laid the points with them. Uh, I thought they really outclassed Pittsburgh, and for the first three quarters, it looked like despite an offense that wasn't humming, they were going to be fine. But Big Ben had the worst PFF grade among any quarterback in the NFL yesterday. Uh, Najee Harris averages 2.8 yards a carry. Um, but football in small samples is about big plays and it's about turnovers, uh, and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, you know, that's where Buffalo failed a little bit yesterday. They gave up a block punt for a touchdown. Um, I don't think this is a sustainable way to win for Pittsburgh, but I think it's a sustainable way to lose for Buffalo where Josh Allen goes from a great season a year ago to not really being able to to buy a basket yesterday. and th- And that was, um, you know, we it was unlike anything we saw from him last year. that That's unfortunate for Bill Billsman.
1: Big, big upset. And the, the shocker is really the score. Um, by the point spread, it wasn't a giant upset. But the Saints pull off the upset against the Packers. Jameis Winston on almost no passes was the number one most efficient quarterback in the NFL. And Rodgers, one of the worst statistical performances of his career. What were some of the other problems uh, for the Packers? Our run game didn't get going. So give us the, the litany of issues yesterday with Green Bay.
3: Uh, th- this sounds like old school football, but like this is always this has been the case um, for you know the the Packers even you know last season and, and to a large degree twenty nineteen too. I think Matt Lafleur is a really good coach um, uh, schematically. I think he gets the team to play most weeks, and obviously Aaron Aaron Rodgers provides a huge advantage. But they're soft in the trenches; like they they can be had. And and you know when I was talking on the radio last week. I pointed people to New Orleans. I said, you know, when they moved the game from New Orleans to uh, Jacksonville, they moved the line two points. They basically gave two points of home field advantage um, back to the Packers, but they went through the key number of three, which, which you know, was I think a, a betting faux pas for a lot of people who wanted to lay it with Green Bay. Ultimately, they didn't need those points at all, but it was interesting. I mean, without Bakhtiari, without Lindley. Um, you know, they lost Balaga a couple years ago. Um, Elton Jenkins going out to left tackle. The Saints very stout up front offensively with Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek, Eric McCoy, and company, but also very stout defensively. They're not a great deep, they're not a deep defense anymore, but they're still a great defense with guys like Lattimore, Davenport guys who are going to miss time, by the way, after this week. Um, and so they just kind of manhandled Green Bay, and unfortunately, when that happens, uh, it's hard to win.
1: Eric Egers with us from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Right now they got 30% off any of the packages you want to grab. Use the promo code KICKOFF30. I just grabbed the uh, college player ratings grades over the weekend. That's a big help getting ready for uh, college football. We'll talk a little uh, gambling in just a couple minutes with Eric. But fire away, Candier. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, getting back to a gambling angle, actually, uh, looking ahead to Week 2 lines, right now 11 of the lines i'm looking at here in vegas are pretty well teaser protected somewhere between three and five and a half uh, without those options on the board are, are there any in particular that jump out at you as uh, as teaser plays
3: uh as teaser plays um man this that's it's interesting right because there there aren't that many that let you go through the key numbers of three and seven and and You really want to do that in the NFL if you're going to uh, if you're going to tease the game. You know there there are a lot of people who like playing teasers um, who don't necessarily uh, sort of uh, let that let that sink in. So, hmm, um, man, uh, I mean, I guess if you if you want to tease Seattle down, Seattle is um, you know laying six, although it, it's more like a five and a half. So you don't want to tease through zero. Uh, not really. Honestly, they're all basically teaser protected. I think in in most of these cases, again for teasers, especially since most cost a dollar twenty now, you want to be only going through three and seven. If you are not, you basically need two percent. You know, if you're getting two percent per point, then six points, you know, you basically you know seventy four percent per side. You only get two point, two percentage points per point. That gets you down to sixty two. If you think a side is sixty two percent to win, you should just bet it and probably bet a lot on it. Yeah,
1: you two young quarterbacks matched up in uh, Miami and New England. It looks like both graded pretty well between Tua and Mac Jones. In the end, what was the difference in the game?
3: Well, I thought Mac played as well or better than Tua. In fact, I think Tua made some really bad mistakes. Uh, okay. The one where he threw the interception near midfield was not a, a very good one. Although he was aggressive, I thought Devontae Parker played uh, particularly well against the stout New England defense. Um, it was the same old stuff for Miami. Why they won ten games last year? The last year they were twenty-fifth in yards per play allowed, um, but they were first in, in in generating turnovers. And yesterday it was the same thing. They got kind of dragged up and down the field a little bit, especially in the second half. But they forced fumbles. They forced fumbles um, on uh, Damien Harris at the very end. And offensively, they were able to get a first down when they needed one.
1: Let's close on this one because, like you said, small sample. Don't freak out, especially when gambling. Don't go nuts judging what just happened. Make me the pitch. I know Washington is going to Heineke now because Fitzy's down for a while. Make me the pitch that gets me fired up to take the Giants on the road plus three and a half against football team.
3: Uh, well, uh, the only thing I can say is the market agrees with you. Like it was four. Um, okay. I'm looking at Pinnacle right now. It's three and a half. Um, but if you want to lay three and a half with Washington plus one or four, uh, you're paying a price even to take three and a half. So I would just say, if you want to get excited about taking the Giants, uh, just know that there are some betters who already have. <laughs> that, that, that would be like yep. my only uh, oh. my only suggestion there. And if you don't take them right now, you will probably only get a flat three at some point.
1: It worked. For, uh, you know, anyone who played with the sharps this week, it mostly worked. So
3: yeah, I mean that's the way to go, right? I mean there are yep. uh, a couple ones. I mean you look at interestingly that that Jets line went from and three and a half, four at the beginning of you know everything, which is like May. It got up to five and a half, and if you were one of the really sharks that took the Jets at five and a half, obviously you won. Mm. If you were one of them that took the points of the Jets on game day at three and a half, you of course lost because of that two point conversion. So it really is. I mean, that game is a is a is a microcosm of what betting is like and how narrow the edges are.
1: Uh, tell people in Vegas, you guys have a, a ton of uh, podcasts you're doing every week, right?
3: Absolutely. So we have the PFF forecast, which is on YouTube, uh, iTunes, basically everywhere you can get your podcasts. We do a live one Sunday night around midnight Eastern, right after Sunday night football. Um, you know, as you said, thank you for doing that. The PFF, uh, you know, promo code is, is, uh, kickoff 30. It's your 30% off all the way through today. Um, but yeah, all kinds of good stuff on PFF. Um, and, uh, really appreciate, uh, you know, the start of the season happening because it's, it's fun to get that new data.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eric, thanks, man. You're the best.
3: Take care, man. Have a good one.
1: There he is. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. Get up there. Sign up for their subscriptions, uh, low, low prices, and another 30% off if you sign up right now. We're just getting started here. Monday Night Football is on the way. Raiders, Ravens, our Raiders, uh, right across town. We're on Eastern at Twin Peaks. They got happy hour rolling out here. Uh, right now, it's going on 2 to 7 and then 9 to close. I mean, who, who can beat that? That's freaking awesome. You get appetizers that are $2, $4, and 6 bucks. It's Twin Peaks, Cofield & Company on the scene.
0: Nova Home Loans brings you trending at three. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova Loan Officer. 877-700-NOVA.
4: This may be being Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. You expect a better performance. You expect a
1: more inspiring performance. You expect more leadership. And we didn't see any of those things
2: from Aaron Rodgers yesterday. This is a good uh, good kick in the you-know-where. Hopefully uh, get us going in the right direction, going back home and playing division opponent next week.
0: Now back to Cofield and Company, live on the
1: road. Oh, boy. I like Jameis Winston, but I was not high on the Saints' chances this year to be a playoff team. And, yeah, candy, it's only one week, but 38-3. Saints beat the snot out of the Packers. I'm sure Rogers wants to tell us to relax. I will say before the game, I was a bit surprised, disturbed, and I'm guessing the interview was taped during the week that Aaron Rodgers, on the eve of the game is still talking about the off season. He did an interview with Aaron Andrews exclusive a couple of days after Pat McAfee, uh, but he went through all the problems with Packers management again. I'm like, bro, when do we just put this to rest and just play football?
2: Well, probably once the season starts, and this was still even before the season got going. not there couldn't possibly have a worse outcome for him to give that interview and then come out and give that performance. But am I right. worried about Aaron Rodgers in any way? No, not for a second. Think about what happened last year with Aaron Rodgers. He came out. He looked fantastic, right? He came out of the gate, and he looked like he was on the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour that we all thought we were going to see. He had four spectacular weeks. They went on by. They came out to play Tampa Bay, and Aaron Rodgers was terrible, and they got smacked. And we start to wonder, okay, well, was the real Aaron Rodgers the one we saw the first four weeks of the season, or was the real Aaron Rodgers the one we saw kind of start to decline a little bit from his high standards in 2017 and 2019? Well, then he came out and wrecked the rest of the league for the remaining two-thirds of the season and was the MVP. It's one week. Not only is it one week, it's week one. The Packers are going to be fine. There were a lot of things that went against them in that game. Frankly, they're down 17-3 in the third quarter, and Rodgers throws a pair of interceptions that end up taking them out of the game, and then it spirals out of control. I bet the Packers live on the money line in the first quarter. I bet them live on the point spread in the second quarter and given the chance oh. to do it again, I would do it again.
1: I have nine and a half on the uh, win total. That's not where it finished with the Packers, but it was that weird weekend about six weeks ago, and it was uh, rumored that Rodgers is going to walk. Nine and a half. Am I in jeopardy?
2: Here's my response to are you in jeopardy on nine and a half. Let me just read you some names. Andy Dalton, Jared Goff, the rotting corpse of Kirk Cousins. You're fine. You're absolutely fine. What do you mean, Jared Goff? The
1: plucky, bite the kneecaps off you, Detroit Lions fought, fought, and fought even more to get back in the game. Almost pulled off a miracle.
2: That they did. And you know the biggest thing they did yesterday, they friggin' covered. Right through the back door, Detroit Lions. They friggin' covered, and they helped everybody who had an over on that game. Good job, Detroit.
1: I actually think what happened to the Bears yesterday, even though it had – Only a little to do with the Red Rifle, Red Rocket, whatever he calls himself, Andy Dalton. I actually think what happened yesterday is going to be a benefit because you may see Justin Fields and the move into the new era sooner than later.
2: I've seen a lot of suggestion out there that it's going to be week four because you give Andy Dalton the revenge game against the Bengals this week. You give him a game against the Browns where – Miles Garrett might do what Aaron Donald wasn't able to do and literally rip the red hair directly out of the head of Andy Dalton, and then you get Justin Fields in week four. That seems like a reasonable timeline. The only problem you have is we keep talking about this in a vacuum, right, as though it's just the quarterback, and when do we move the quarterback? Well, the Bears are a team that made the damn playoffs last year. I don't know whether you thought they were supposed to or not. Probably not. Yeah. But in the end, they still were a playoff team last year. So we talk about this like you can afford to give away three weeks with Andy Dalton, at quarterback. If you give away those three weeks, you're probably not making the playoffs again this I year. I agree.
1: And that's why I, I, I picked the Bears to make the playoffs based on the fact that they've been in the mix just about every year. They haven't had a quarterback. I think they have one now. So get to him as soon as possible. And then you mentioned the the other team in the division, the Vikings. What was your take on what happened yesterday? This defense is supposed to be better. And Joe Burrow, who you know we heard a lot about, hey, struggling – in the preseason, even more important, white stripes, no white stripes on the football. Jamar Chase, whoo, he looked pretty good, and Mixon was downhill all game. Are you now worried about the Vikings' big worry a year ago, their defense? Is it better or not?
2: Hey, I, I bet them under this year in the first place before I saw yeah. anything uh, yesterday because I don't trust in this Vikings offensive line in the first place. Think about this. This game was 21-7 to Cincinnati in the third quarter. We were on the verge of a Bengals blowout. And as much as I love aggressiveness on fourth down and going for it and making sound analytical decisions, the analytics say that Zach Taylor added two points of winning percentage to the Bengals yesterday by going for it on fourth and short from his own 30 up by 14 points in the third quarter. And I hated it. I hated the decision with a young team, with a defense that is the problem. And you go for it, you don't get it, Cousins comes right back with a touchdown pass, and all of a sudden Minnesota's in the game. All that is to say, the Vikings got a hand to even be in that game at the end.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. And it is Matt Puck
4: on the kicker.
0: The third big play for the Steelers hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. And that was another one of the upsets. Not
1: only did the Steelers cover the six and a half, but they went it outright, derailing the Bills a bit. Maybe the Bills aren't going to be some runaway 14 and 3 team in the AFC East because they were sloppy. We just talked to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Josh Allen, okay, but not Josh Allen of a year ago in the game. Funny thing is, Big Ben was actually borderline dreadful again. But what are the Steelers known for over the years, Candy? Their defense, and in this case, it was good D. They were opportunistic, and, man, I'll tell you, one of the -the under-the-radar late signings, and I don't know why he was out there, and I wish the Raiders had made a run at him, but they already had so many defensive linemen in the hopper. Melvin Ingram landing with the Steelers is like stealing from the rest of the league. And then T.J. Watt came back, you know, all all freaking fired up. So their pressure numbers on Josh Allen were through the roof.
2: And Keep something in mind. Melvin Ingram was here. Melvin Ingram made his visit to Las Vegas. Melvin Ingram did not ultimately sign with the Raiders. So, you know, a healthy Melvin Ingram is certainly a force to be reckoned with. And, look, that's the kind of game – that Pittsburgh absolutely has to win if they're going to have any shot at doing anything this year because the offense was terrible. They were down 10 nothing at halftime. Roethlisberger still looked like the Roethlisberger of last year. I didn't think Pittsburgh had any chance in that game, but the defense kept them in it long enough for the variance to fit in when it came to the block punt and everything else in there, and Pittsburgh did what they had to do.
1: All right. Diagnose Pittsburgh offensively. I know it's so weird. I'm sure fans listening are like, why are they getting on the Steelers' offense? Well, there's still a lot of work to do if you're truly going to be a 10- or 11-win team. Diagnose the offense for me, and listen, they're trying to give Big Ben a lot more protection. You wonder what they're going to come up with if you're max protecting to save Big Ben and his uh, his largeness, if you can really be a good offensive team. They got the weapons. I don't know if they have the running back, but they got the weapons. Certainly a wide receiver.
2: Well, here's the thing. All you need to know about diagnosing the Pittsburgh offense – is looking at the fact that they took Najee Harris in the first round as a running back. Uh, Najee Harris was not the problem last year for... or solving the problem last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the running backs were not the issue. This offensive line was terrible. And when Najee Harris, as Eric Eager told us earlier, runs for 2.8 yards per carry, then newsflash, it's not about the running back. It's about the line. So getting the ball out quickly with Big Ben is going to be huge because you need to keep him upright at this stage of his career. And the defense can only keep you in it so long. You saw Pittsburgh have all of the weird edge cases all put out there for it in the same stretch of games last year. There weren't an 11 no team, but they also weren't a team as bad as the one that limped to the finish. They were a team that probably realistically was somewhere right in the middle of those.
1: The look-ahead number... Still have a game to play tonight. That could change things. Raiders taking on the Ravens. If the Raiders were to upset the Ravens and kick their ass, I'm sure this line is going to move significantly. There's still a six and a half. Pittsburgh, six and a half on the board. Steelers, six at most spots against
2: our Raiders. Boy, I got to tell you, there are two things I want to happen tonight just from a betting perspective. I want to see the Ravens ball out, and I want to see the, Ra- the Raiders get ripped because i want to see a seven up there on the raiders in pittsburgh because i would take the raiders plus seven and i want to see uh baltimore come out and look fantastic and stop the steam on kansas city that has been moving up to three on them next week because i would love to get that back under a field goal i didn't grab it uh on the open in part because i wanted to see what the uh, Ravens situation looked like
1: the bill side is real interesting looking ahead now and i'm not talking about from a number standpoint They lose their opener. They've got a key game on the road at Miami. There's always a lot of Bills fans at that stadium down there in South Florida. Uh, Dolphins got a nice win, ugly at times, we'll get to it, uh, against the Patriots. One of the things we talked about with the Bills was some of the infighting over uh, the freedom fighting led by Cole Beasley. And we repeatedly said on this show, listen, none of that stuff, all the vaccine stuff, the fighting between the players' wife, you know, wife, uh, Jordan Poirier's wife, and players on the other side of the vax question, none of that's going to matter if things are going well. If the Bills lose this coming week at Miami, they got a pretty good football team In football team, although it's Taylor Heineke, I'm not sure there's that much of a drop-off. We'll see. What if they got off to an 0-3 start? How copacetic do you think things are going to be behind the scenes then?
2: You're going to hear it a lot more, of course, um, because we're going to be looking for reasons to say what's wrong with the Bills, but you know what? I don't think that much is wrong with the Bills, honestly. I I think that they had sort of the low-end version of what can happen for them last week, uh, yesterday against Pittsburgh. Look, Josh Allen didn't make the throws, quite honestly, but there are a lot of quarterbacks who don't make the throws against that uh, Pittsburgh defense, and I thought one breakdown I saw today from ESPN made a lot of sense to me. Minka Fitzpatrick, who, of course, these Steelers traded for from Miami a couple of years ago, really locked down Cole Beasley in the slot. Uh, if you take away Josh Allen's security blanket with Cole Beasley and you can scheme it up with enough pressure, which they did, T.J. Watt was in the backfield all day long, then you take Josh Allen off the spot, you take the uh, the long routes to Stephon Diggs out of the equation when he doesn't have time to throw. There was a lot in there that I think Buffalo can fix. I'm still not in any small way sold on Miami. They should have lost that game yesterday.
1: Okay. We'll build on that one. Up next, Dave Koken going to help us look back on the weekend that was, especially in college. We'll start to look ahead at some of the college and NFL numbers. If you're looking for Raiders coverage, we're going to have some today, but our Raider station, we've got one, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. That's our sister station. They're out at Allegiant all day long. So change the channel right now. That's where all the Raiders coverage is going to be. The game is on Tonight, we're the home of the Raiders here at Lotus Broadcasting. Uh, Your great signal there is going to be Comp 92.3, and we'll be watching here at Twin Peaks on Eastern 9510 Southeastern. Happy hour going most of the night. Domestic drafts less than four bucks. You got appetizers $2 and $4 and $6. A great menu. The awesome servers here. Ooh, look at this. Also, Monday specials on Modelo. You got a Terramana Blanco tequila as well. On special and then the 399 shots all day, every day. Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Uh,
1: my summer project was I got every one of Lamar Jackson's runs and I put him on a reel. A lot of plays were scrambles. They're drop-back passes where he just takes off. This guy's a, a, yeah, he's worth the price of admission. It'll be fun to watch our guys chase him. I know our guys are ready to give their best effort.
0: Now, back to Colefield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. John Gruden on the way back? Or was that
1: Frank Caliendo? Boy, Caliendo was on Friday. Holy crap. On a phone interview, I mean, he's all over the place, but by all over the place, it means he does like, he just goes in and out of 31 different impressions. He's insane. Perfect for uh, Gruden, because he was saying Gruden's kind of a a whack job as well. We got Raiders news in. Josh Jacobs active. Cleve Furl inactive. Top five pick from a couple years ago. Inactive. We're digging on this. You said uh, Josh Dubow from the AP
2: said not an injury, right? No injury designation on the final report. Paul DeGutierrez from ESPN.com reported that there were some lingering back concerns during the week, so maybe. Okay. In the benefit of the doubt, something flared up, but uh, nothing that we know of right now. It just looks like a healthy scratch at the moment for Clee Earl.
1: Our buddy Dave Koken from DC and the Sunshine Man show and podcast now is up with us here, like he's every Monday. What's up, Dave?
4: I I, I mean, look, I, I call me cynical, but if he wasn't drafted fifth overall, um, he probably wouldn't be on
1: the roster. Ooh, you think they would have already moved on, huh?
4: Yeah, I, I think it, it was a it was a very Heavily criticized elections, Yeah. And, you know, if you cut him, it kind of validates that opinion and makes you look dumb. So, but, you know, let's say he has not lived up to fifth overall pick status so far.
1: Yeah. I think he's a rotational defensive lineman. I think he's going to be, you know, a 10- or 12-year guy in the league, but that doesn't mean that uh, that earns a high first-round pick. So, the game tonight, are you do you have a side? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to play the Raiders problem is you could have got a better number all along up until today.
4: Yeah, I didn't play the game. Uh, my numbers clearly indicated Baltimore. But uh, with the running back injuries in particular and the fact that it's just, it's just going to be insane there tonight, uh, I think the home field advantage is bigger than it might normally be. So I wanted to stay out of the game anyway and, uh, and see what happens. Uh, but i, I to be honest, I'd still lean Ravens, but not for money.
1: Let's go back to what happened in the NFL yesterday, and it's always fun playing week two based on some of the overreaction in week number one. What was the biggest surprise to you? Was it uh, some of the outright upsets by dogs? Was it a, a, a big favorite laying an egg? Give us your best narrative. I
4: actually, wasn't surprised by a whole lot yesterday. I, I, I only played three games. I went two and one. Um, uh, the loser was the Patriots, and they, they gave the game away. It's as simple as that. I mean, they win the game if they don't fumble the football a couple of times in, in key situations. Um, I think the biggest disappointment, and I did win the game. I had Cleveland plus the point. But, man, they're still the Browns. They just, there's no way they should have lost that football game. And they, they just beat themselves the second half with terrible mistakes. Uh, fumble by uh, Chubb, uh, screwed up on the punt, uh, I'll give Mayfield a pass when they were you know, they were in, in hurry-up. Uh, but they just blew the game. They still have not t- figured out how to win big games. And I think they've got the best roster in the league. I really do. But until you get over that tendency to lose games you're supposed to win, um, they're not going to be a world championship team. I, and and, and I, I'm not writing them off by any means. But that's, that's still a bad loss for them because you've got to win those big games.
1: Should we, uh, should we be worried about the Titans getting just destroyed, or is the story maybe it's time to upgrade the Cardinals?
4: Both. Uh, I said this. I don't remember where I said it. I might have. I don't remember because I do so many of these things I forget. But I said to somebody last week, Cardinals could end up 7-10 and 10 and still be an above-average football team because that division is ridiculously tough. And the Titans have a terrible defense um, I, I did a video which I posted on on uh, Twitter last week and, and I gave out the Cardinals in the uh, in the video and the primary reason was Tennessee defense is absolutely no good uh, and I, I think it's going to be an, an ongoing issue for them they're gonna have to score a lot of points to win their game
2: switching over to the college gridiron Dave I'm curious your take on on what happened uh, with Georgia and Clemson and whether it affects any way in which you looked at those two teams, uh, not only from week one, but now what you've seen from, uh, from week two?
4: No, Clemson will be fine. Uh, and they got beat by a really good football team. <laughs> and Georgia's argument, Georgia's certainly a top-four team. And uh, you know, they, they, they barely got beat the game and nobody could score. Clemson's defense is going to be great. The quarterback will get better. And Clemson will probably still be in the playoffs at the end of the year. I I don't know that anybody else is going to beat them the rest of the way. Georgia is outstanding. Um, They didn't miss a beat, not that they were expected to against UAB, uh, but they're loaded. And uh, to me, the only team better than them on paper is probably Alabama.
2: And speaking of Alabama, I mean, we get – I don't know, we do this all the time. We say, oh, maybe this will be a test for Alabama and going and taking on Florida – uh, numbers sitting 15, 15 and a half. Uh, Some places actually flashed uh, 14, even 13 and a half for a brief second uh, over the weekend. What's your, what's your read on the Crimson Tide and the Gators?
4: I'm not betting against Alabama. Uh, okay. And Saban got, Saban got exactly what he wanted out of them Saturday, which was a very flat performance uh, in a nothing game, and now he'll be able to just tear into them in practice this week. So they'll be ready on Saturday. Uh, I, I've learned... Over the years, you just don't go against this team. You just don't do it. If that's the only option, you've got to
2: take the day off. <laughs> All right. uh, no, I, I can't I, I can't argue with that. Uh, the big news today, of course, uh, SC getting rid of Clay Helton after game number two. Uh, they go up to Washington taking on a team that's been, a, we'll, we'll say, up and down at best, but mostly down uh, in Washington. Uh, opened in some places 10, uh, eight and a half and so nine, 61 and a half.
4: Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to do with that, um, I generally to stay out of situations like that. I, I think what I tweeted was, and so ends the almost every week discussion as to how Clay Helton is still the head coach at USC. Um, <laughs> I don't know what took so long. He's just not, I'm not saying he's a terrible head coach, but for a, he's not an elite program head coach. And... Uh, I'm sure USC will have plenty of suitors, though I, I would expect all the interim route for the rest of the year, uh, unless they dig into the uh, former pro coach ranks uh, with somebody like Jack Del Rio or something. But I don't think that'll happen. I think they'll wait for the end of the year, conduct a long search, and uh, come up with a big name, take over the program next year. Um, you know, I, I know Matt Campbell's name has been mentioned on a frequent basis, tied in with USC. Uh, Maybe he's reached the end at Iowa State. He's taken them as far as they can go. And it might be time for him to uh, take a look at another job. The guy's a heck of a football coach. And uh, they couldn't beat Iowa this weekend, but that doesn't take away from Campbell. He's he's one of the best in the business.
1: Dave, I got to see Arizona State up close against UNLV on Saturday. Are you surprised ASU is favored against BYU?
4: No. I, I think Arizona State's a better team. Okay. Uh, and uh, I don't think they showed much. On, on first, look, it, it's really difficult to get up to UNLV. Uh, and it showed in the first half and really could have showed the whole game had uh, Brookfield not gotten hurt because he's turning out to be better than uh, I think a lot of us thought he would be. Hopefully it's not a, a significant injury. Um, but I was going to say, probably looking ahead to this game, and, boy, it, it could be tough for BYU to match the intensity level that they had for the Holy War on Saturday. I mean, that crowd was lit, and they were fired up in I thought it was a little misleading score because I thought Utah probably could have won that football game. Utah kind of beat themselves that game and was really baffled by a couple of decisions by winning him, which we generally don't see. I mean, he got out of character in that game, particularly with not going for the field goal. I know from an analytics standpoint, he's supposed to go for the field goal on fourth and short. Uh, but that's not his style. He usually would take the field goal there. And in retrospect, he probably should have.
1: Uh, one more look ahead in the NFL with Dave Koken. WagerTalk.com is where you find all of Dave's stuff. He's uh, doing videos all week long, having a really good baseball season. NFL look ahead. Call me crazy, but what if I take the Falcons plus 13-and-a-half against Tampa Bay? Uh,
4: plus 13-and-a-half is, is, you know, I don't like laying 13-and-a-half. Let's put it that way. Um, so it's tempting. But they might be a really bad football team. I mean, really bad. There's not a lot lot there. And uh, they look like a last-place team. I'm not saying they're going to go 0-16, but uh, I I can see this one getting out of hand late. Uh, And the Bucs have had extra time to prep for it, too, which I generally don't like to go against teams that played on Thursday because those extra three days come in handy.
1: That's a good point. All right, Dave, have a good week. I'll talk to you Thursday on the uh, D.C. and the Sunshine Man podcast.
4: Sounds good, guys. Take care.
1: There he is, Dave Coken at the end of the week, you know, right before uh, the weekend starts and right after Thursday Night Football, we do a podcast, 9 o'clock, at Steve Cofield up on YouTube as well, Coken and Cofield back together again. All right, we'll get into uh, a lot of the injury updates. Really weird, weird day for the 49ers, feeling really good about themselves through three quarters, and then they almost botch it late, and then we find out today that, Raheem Mostert is down again, and it could be freaking six to eight weeks.
0: The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.